Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Wisdom. Where do you go to find wisdom these days? TikTok? YouTube? America's Funny Song Videos? Where do we go to find wisdom? Do, do we all agree we need a little more wisdom in our world these days? Everybody agree with that? A couple more wise decisions being made by our leaders would be nice. A couple of more wise decisions made in our families would be nice. Wisdom seems to be something that we've let kind of go by the wayside and instead pursue the things that are exciting, entertaining, and fun. Now, I'm all about exciting, entertaining, and fun. I, I enjoy all three of those things. And yet, wisdom must be a part of our lives. It must be guiding us so that we make these decisions. I was talking to someone after first service or before first service, and uh, he was talking about aging and, and said, yeah, there's really nothing fun about aging. I said, well, there's one thing. I said, don't you make a whole lot less stupid decisions now? He's like, yeah, I guess you're right. I said, me too. It's like, there's at least one thing. We can at least have more wisdom. Now, where do you go to find wisdom? We're going to talk about that today. Paul is pouring into his young disciple named Timothy, and he's trying to pour wisdom into Timothy. He's trying to help him understand how to lead, how to be a man of character, and what that looks like. And I believe we need this. I believe in our culture, we need more wisdom. And I think there's a, a separation between the older generation and the younger generation. There's a gap there that used to be connected in family and in friendships and relationship that's just not there right now. And we've got to make a choice to bridge that gap. We've got to make a choice to seek wisdom and want wisdom. I heard the story of a young man who was, who was uh, about to get married, so he called up his uncle that had a good marriage and he said, Uncle Jimmy, I know you got a good marriage and you've raised your kids. He said, I'm about to get married. I need some wisdom on my marriage. He said, would, would you be willing to just teach me how to be? He said, would, would you be a good husband? He said, I'll tell you what, you come on down to the lake this afternoon after work, bring your swimsuit and, and we'll talk. Well, he thought that was a little bit funny, but he said, okay, because he wanted wisdom. So he showed up, showed whatever wisdom his uncle had for him. He said, step out into the lake. So they stepped out into the lake, and they got to their knees, and they got to their waist, and he's thinking, what is uncle doing? And he said, he, he said now look over and look at your reflection in the water. And he thought, oh, okay, this is the reflection talk, right? So he leaned over. About that time, his uncle grabbed him and shoved him underwater. <laughs> and he didn't know what was going on. The uncle lifted him back up. He's gasping for him. He looks at his uncle, and his uncle goes, Boom, a second time, puts him back underwater. The guy starts flailing, he pulls him back up, and he tries to catch his breath. He said, uncle, what are you doing? He said, young man, when you seek wisdom, as much and as hard as you are seeking that next breath of air, he said, you'll find more than you'll ever need. A lot of truth. Do we seek wisdom, 
Or do we want it just to fall in our laps? Are we pursuing the things that will teach us wisdom or the people that will give us wisdom? Or are we just living a life listening to all the voices out there? It was interesting. I was listening to a person who was a marriage counselor. And I, I mean, he was giving some good advice. And I, I went and talked to him afterwards, got to know his story. And he, uh, he'd had multiple failed marriages himself. But he could speak out of that with transparency to help those who are going some of the, through some of the same struggles. Where do you get your wisdom? Well, we're going to talk about that today because Paul is trying to pour wisdom into young Timothy. And uh, we're just going to read each verse as we go along. It's page 1002 of the Burgundy Bible. I encourage you to bring your own Bible, but if you don't, there's a Burgundy Bible in the seat in front of you and the little uh, slots under the seat. You can follow along. And then the sermon outline is actually on the little flyer they give you when you come in the door or it's on the app. Either way, it's just our goal is to help you walk away with some tools to help you understand what the passage is talking about. So, let's start with verse 10 and 11 in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and then jump in. Lord, I thank you that we have recorded in the Bible just this wisdom that we can grow from and learn from. God, I'm just asking that you help me just share it in such a way that we all walk out here wiser and wanting to be wiser, and most importantly, closer to you. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got that listening guide, the first thing on it is that Christian leaders are called to be transparent. Transparent. There was an age when I was coming to faith in Christ that pastors were held on this pedestal as being almost perfect. It was like they had to have everything perfect. They dressed perfect. They acted perfect. Their, their kids, and I talked to the kids that they did not like being preacher's kids necessarily because they were expected to be perfect. It was like this, this aura that was supposed to be floating around them of perfection. And so I knew I, when I got saved, that was not for me because I, I, I was far from that. And so I ran for being a pastor for a period of time when I began to feel God call me. And part of it was I didn't want to wear a coat and tie, true story. Uh, and the other part was I just didn't feel like I could ever have that pastoral thing going on. And, and yet when I read this, what Paul is saying here is, Timothy, you know me. You know my life. You know my character. You know my my flaws, my times I've been persecuted. You know all about me, Timothy. We have done ministry together. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he did, because he and Paul worked side by side, planting churches, 
preaching the gospel, following through on what God had called them to do. And I want to tell you, if you want to be a Christian leader, I believe transparency is huge. We've got to quit trying to pretend we got everything together and lead out of humility and lead out of a place of, hey, listen, I hadn't done it all right, but let me share with you how God rescued me and how he showed me what is wise and what is true. Parents, sometimes as parents, we, we feel the need to try to act like when we were teenagers, we didn't do stupid stuff, right? We feel the need to kind of make it sound like our kids are the first ones to ever say, hey, watch this, and then do something stupid. And yet they're not, right? And so I, I tried to lead my kids by letting them know, yes, I, I've done those dumb things, but let me show you what God has done in my life so that I don't want you to have to do that. Because experience is what you get when you do the dumb stuff and you have to face the consequences. Wisdom is when you see other people hit their face against the wall and you choose not to do the same thing, right? And we want wisdom for our kids. And we want wisdom in life. And I've learned that it's a whole lot of a softer landing when I learn from other people's mistakes that they're trying to teach me than when I have to make them myself. And parents... Grandparents, aunts, uncles, next-door neighbors, can I just encourage you to seek to be transparent in the way that you lead and help these young people, this next generation, learn from your mistakes and learn that there can be wisdom found and they don't have to make the mistakes themselves. They can learn from your mistakes if you will choose to teach them. So Paul is being transparent here. He's, he's telling Timothy, you know what I teach, you know how I live, what my purpose in life is, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You, he says, you even saw me go through this period of persecution, Timothy. You know me. And this is where he's gonna speak into his life. Now, I, I just wanna tell you, being transparent, you need to seek wisdom. As your pastor, I need to seek wisdom. I'm grateful. I think we're almost full of our re-engaged marriage class. We've got couples coming saying, I want more wisdom in my marriage. Way to go. All of you that signed up, way to go. We've got people that call us and contact and say, hey, can I just meet and talk with you about something? I met with several people this week just calling and saying, I just need some wisdom. And I was able to give counsel and wisdom. But just so you know, we all need wisdom. My wife and I, we've been married 29 years. Three different times in our marriage, we hit a hard spot. And we've got friends that we talk to and pray for us and stuff. But we just felt like we needed wisdom from someone who, who knew a little bit more than we did. And so we went to marriage counseling three different times. In 29 years of ministry and marriage, and uh, man, I feel like pretty much every step of the way, I've sought wisdom from other pastors and leadership and and saw wisdom from others that were doing family differently. The re transparently, the reason we have six kids is because I had a brother in the Lord that had a large family, and I thought he was crazy until I hung around him and saw the love and the compassion they had together, and I was like, I want that. And I began seeking his wisdom on how to, how to have a big family and how to raise them today in the craziness. 
I sought his wisdom. Here recently, had a lot of transition in our lives. As I said, we got six kids. We got uh, all but two are out of the home, about to lose another one out of the home. And, and then I got a daughter going overseas. Got, uh, my dad came to live with us two years ago. He recently had a stroke. I had a heart attack two years ago. I could go on and on. A lot of changes in my life. And just recently, I feel like I hit a wall. And so I've started praying about it and feel like, you know what, I, I just need to go to counseling myself. So I've got a godly Christian man that's a counselor that I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like, man, Lord, this is so refreshing to have a third party who knows nothing about me speak wisdom into my life. Now, for some of you, you may never want to come back to the river because you're like, if that guy needs Christian counseling, why are we listening to him? But I would say to you, I'm just being transparent. I need help sometimes. You need help sometimes. The quicker you can be humble and acknowledge what everybody around you already knows, <laughs> the healthier you'll be, right? And so I just want to encourage you. Are you seeking wisdom in your life? If you hit a wall, who are you asking? Your friends around you that already hit that wall and they, they failed? Or someone who's more mature in Christ, who's more mature in their family, someone who's further down the line, are you seeking their wisdom on how they got through that tragedy, that difficulty? Paul was a transparent leader. I want to be a transparent leader. I want to lead you to be transparent leaders so that we can reach back to the younger generation. If you're 20, that means to the teenagers, right? If you're a teenager, that means to the 10-year-olds. If you're 40, the 30 olds, we can reach back and say, hey, listen, I've been there. Let me share with you what God showed me and where he brought me and why I'm here today. Whatever you're walking through, there's been somebody that's been through that. And if you'll get transparent and share that you don't know the next steps, you can actually reach out to somebody that does and ask for their wisdom. And God can give you wisdom through them, all right? So Paul's being transparent. I challenge us, let's be transparent leaders. Second, Christian leaders remain faithful even in persecution. Let's drop back to verse 11. I already read it once, but it ties into both points one and two. We're gonna start at 11 and go through 14. Paul says, you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, Paul's there. Uh, Paul is saying that at that time because literally everybody that was a Christian was being persecuted. It was a time in history where the persecution of the church was strong and powerful and painful. And so it was just assumed at that time if you're gonna follow Christ, you will be persecuted. If you're gonna give your life to Christ, you will be persecuted. I was um, talking to somebody recently and they were talking about how in their part of the world, more in the Middle East area, like if someone follows Christ, they have to count the cost beforehand because most likely you will lose your family, you will lose your friends, you will lose your financial livelihood because you'll be blacklisted. And if you're in some parts of the countries, you will be killed. 
That's a big cost to count, isn't it? Now, we're blessed in this country. We have freedom of religion. It is a gift that we do not need to take for granted. We need to be thankful of it. We need to celebrate it. I want to challenge you to celebrate it. Rejoice in it and be grateful for it because men and women died so that we could have that privilege. Now, having said that, though, how are we doing with our faith with the freedom that we have? Are we walking it out with confidence? And are we firm in our foundation? Or are we fence riders wanting to ride the fence on the cultural issues of the day and wanting to try to be in the world and of the world but still believe in Christ. I got a deep theological phrase I need you to write down. Everybody get your fins out, ready? No more flippy floppy Christians. Okay? Put that down. That, that's gonna be viral. I feel it's viral. No more flippy floppy Christians. We're living in a day of flippy floppy Christianity. It's like, well, what do you believe? Oh, I don't know. Well, what do, you, what do you think about this issue? I don't know. I just don't want to say anything's wrong. I just don't want to speak truth about things that I don't really know there's absolute truth. Listen, God's word is true. And Paul is willing to be persecuted for the word of God. The early church was willing to die for the sake of Christ. They stood on the word. They stood on the truth. And today... The church has become optional. I was just reading my generation, Generation X, since COVID was the slowest and the least to return to worshiping in the church. That millennials who are getting all the grief these days have been the quickest to return to the church and even in even greater numbers than before COVID. Why is that? I don't know. I was reading the statistics and I'm wondering why is that? I, I think it could be because millennials are having children now and they're going, oh snap, I need wisdom. And they're, they're returning to the roots that they had. But why is it that my generation's not? Perhaps it's because of comfort. I've done my job, I got my kids out of the house, I've raised, raised my kids, I've... Now I'm gonna enjoy the fruits of my labor and I'm just gonna go do whatever I wanna do and I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch it online. And if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. Wherever you're at, I'm glad you're watching online. But watching online is not a substitute for being in a local body of Christ. Okay, it's not. We need each other. And as time gets tougher, we're gonna need each other even more. I don't know if persecution is gonna increase in our country, but I believe no more flippy floppy Christianity is what we need. We need to decide what our values are and we need to stand on those values. And we need to figure out where the, the line is that we draw on the sand. Did y'all ever do that when you were younger? Draw a line in the sand? As young boys, when we would get in a <clears throat> altercation and then we'd say, we're gonna meet you behind the, School, because you couldn't fight on school grounds. You'd have to go out the fence after school, and, and uh, there would be a group there, and you stand across from each other, and 
Somebody would always say, I'm drawing a line. I dare you to step across that line. And it's on. And the other person didn't want to look weak, so they'd look at it and they go, oh, yeah? Well, I'm drawing a line. I dare you to step across that line. Because they knew whoever threw the first, the first uh, fist uh, was going to get suspended. And the other one might, but might not. And so they draw these lines and they stand there waiting to see if somebody actually would cross that line. But there's a line in the sand that you draw and you say, if you step into this space, I'm willing to fight over it, right? Okay, that was school days. But I'm just asking the question, where do we draw our line today? If you draw a line in the sand, this is where I, I won't let the devil cross over. These are values and principles that I will not let go of. These are truths that I believe in that I will not let someone else talk me out of. These are beliefs I have that no matter if everybody else around me says I'm a fool, I will stand firm because this is a hill to die on, a line in the sand. Where's that line for you? Well, Paul, his line in the sand was his relationship with the Lord Almighty. Verse 12 says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. And Paul was ready to suffer persecution to declare that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And verse 13 kind of looks like he's, he may even be struggling with the pressure, struggling with the disappointment that how come other people who are not holding the line, they're being the flippy floppies, they seem to be succeeding, right? What does he say? He says, but evil people and imposters. Who are the imposters? Well, remember, if, you, if you've been coming, he was talking about fake, false teachers just a couple weeks ago, right? He's talking about these false teachers that are preaching a false gospel. And he's saying, listen, these imposters are flourishing. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. I'd love to tell you that if you follow Christ and you stand firm and you draw your line in the sand, that that everything's gonna go like you want it to. That you won't have to deal with pain, that, that you'll be chosen for that promotion over the self-promoting imposter at work, that you'll be able to get the gal or the guy that you really think is the one for you every time, but it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it looks like in the short run, those that do evil prosper. Am I right? But here's the thing. In, in Paul's moment of feeling that way, something he's missing, and that is how God is at work. You see, because God has to look at the 30,000-foot view. He's interested in reaching as many people with his love as he can. And sometimes that means you and I have to be inconvenienced, and sometimes that means you and I have to take a hit for the team. The Apostle Paul wrote most of his letters while he was in prison. What if he hadn't been in prison? Would he have taken the time to write such rich truths that 2,000 years from then, we get to read and we get to receive and we get to grow in? 
I'm not glad that he had to be persecuted, but I am grateful that in his persecution, he stood firm and he had faith and he wrote about that faith to Timothy, to Titus, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Philippi, all those letters that we have. We have those because one man of God stood firm. He was faithful even in persecution. And then in verse 14, he says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Who taught them? Paul taught them. <laughs> He's basically saying, Timothy, I've been transparent with you. I've lived my life before you. I've poured my life into others. This stuff is real. And if you will stay the course, if you will be faithful, you will get to see what God wants to do. And I want to say that to you and I today. We've got to stay faithful. We've got to, to figure out where that line in the sand is that we draw. First of all, as, as Alex was talking about, you know, it is the testimony of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we are rescued from sin because of his sacrifice on the cross. I was just listening to somebody this week talking about how the, the resurrection just couldn't have happened how he couldn't have rose from the grave. That's, that's an impossibility. Yes, it's an impossibility. That's why it takes faith, right? That's why it took God to, to provide the resurrection. But that's the hope we have after death as well. The resurrection's gotta be a line I draw on the sand. What about the word of God? We're gonna look at that. Point number three is Christian leaders receive their wisdom from the Bible. What about the word of God? There's a move to say that this book is, is wrong. That it needs to be taken out of, well, we took it out of the schools a long time ago. But it needs to be taken out of circulation. Isn't it interesting that the book that the communist nations want to ban is the Bible? You ever find that interesting? What are they so afraid of? It's because the God of all creation pours into here truths that allow us to have firmness in our lives, that allow us to draw lines in the sand, that we're willing to die for our faith, and that scares anybody that wants to control you. Because when you have values and beliefs that you're willing to die for, no one can control you. That makes you a force to be reckoned with. Well, in 14, he says, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Are you and I remaining faithful to the things we have been taught? You're here. That's a big part of the faithfulness, right? You're here. So let me just brag on you for being here. You chose to get up this morning, come and worship God Almighty in a day that you could have gone to the, gone to the uh, lake this morning. We had somebody in first service, hadn't seen them there before. And so I went and talked to the young lady, said, what are you doing? And, and uh, it was her first time to come. She normally comes to 11.15. Found out the reason she was at the 8.15. She said, I'm gonna go to the lake afterwards. And she said, I never wanna put recreation before God. So I came to the 8.15, so I could, uh, the eight, so I could do both. I was like, awesome. Can I just speak a word that's gonna be kind of strong for a moment? I think a lot of us are battling with some idols. Idols of what is more important, our faith in Christ or our entertainment. Our faith in Christ or our happiness. 
our faith in Christ or our personal fleshly desires. I'm all for going on the lake. Yesterday was so hot, I wish I could have lived in the lake. I went to Burgess Falls, hiked it with some friends, and I literally was, was in the water probably more than anybody else around. I, I mean, I enjoy that. I enjoy sports. When my wife married me, I was playing four nights a week. Basketball, softball, whatever I play, I, I, I love sports. I, I think sports teach great principles of teamwork and, and sacrifice and dedication and teaches you how to win and how to lose. I love sports. I love to see my kids flourish with extracurricular activities, dance and, and drama or singing, whatever that is. I love that. I love to see my kids love that. But I'll just tell you, a line in the sand I have in my life and I wanna challenge you to have is that Sunday mornings is the Lord's first and foremost. This is the Lord's day. Now, if you go to church on Saturday night, listen, some of you work and some of you are watching online because you're at work. Man, thank you for working. Thank you for being at the hospital because I needed it, right? Amen? Okay, I'm not here to throw stones. But I'm here to challenge us because a lot of us will choose to do what we want and skip this fellowship because of convenience, because we're tired. But if somebody gave us free tickets to the Titans game, we would make sure we were up at 5 a.m. to beat the crowd to the stadium and get the best parking spot and make sure we get the seat. Idolatry is when we put something else above God. And it doesn't have to be sinful. It's just anything that we put above God. And so my wife and I, we take our kids camping. We go camping. I don't drive back in for Sunday morning service. But Sunday morning, we'll sit around the fire pit and we'll share scripture. Usually we sing Amazing Grace. It's the one song we all know, but I can't carry a tune, so I have somebody else lead it. And we'll all kind of share something that God's doing in our life. And we'll pray and we'll worship God. I'm not saying you have to be in a building every Sunday morning, but I believe that it's, there's a reason that one of the big 10 he gave us in Exodus was remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's because you and I are so quick to forget that God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy because he is the creator of the universe and we can quickly set that aside and do what we want to do. And so if you're traveling, listen, I'm not opposed to travel ball. I think it's great that kids learn skills and love to play, but if it becomes an idol, it's got to go. I got a friend that on his travel ball team, he got them all up, his family up early, and they would do a, basically a worship service before travel ball. And he started having these families come, great outreach. But if you're going to travel ball and you're skipping church and you're going to play ball, what are you telling your kids what's more important? Ball or God? Okay, same thing. You go on vacation and you spend the time and the money to go on vacation, but you don't worship God on the Sabbath. What are you telling your kids? What are you telling yourself? What are you telling God? It's a line in the sand I want to challenge you to draw. What about the word of God? 
That's the third point. Christian leaders receive their wisdom from the Bible. 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 16 says this. You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The word of God. Now, he says you're taught scriptures by the, when he was a child, what scriptures was he taught? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament put together. Paul's writing it right now as Timothy's reading it, right? So when Timothy was a kid, what was he reading with his family? What was he learning? The Old Testament. And there are people today that want to take the Old Testament, rip it out, and say it's not important anymore. It's not true. The Old Testament was how we knew that Jesus is the Messiah. It gave us the prophecies that we needed to understand it. We go back and we see the history and we can learn wisdom on how not to make the same stupid mistake that King David made. We can learn from wisdom how not to make the same stupid mistake Saul made, Solomon, Moses, you name it. Because thankfully, the Bible is transparent. And the Bible shows us that all the leaders in the Old Testament had flaws too. That Esther, even though her whole nation was about to be wiped out, she still had fear about approaching the king. And they did the encouragement and prayers of the, her uncle and prayer and fasting from the whole Jewish nation to give her strength. We see that these heroes of the Bible were just like you and I. They had good days, they had bad days because the Bible's transparent even about the leaders of the Old Testament and New Testament. But Paul says to Timothy, you've been taught these scriptures from childhood. They have given you the What? See that in verse 15? They have given you the... Anybody? Wisdom. Where did he get his wisdom? The word of God. I want to challenge you if you're lacking wisdom. There's 31 days in August. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. It is the book of wisdom. Pick it up. Start reading a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs. It'll tell you how to do life, how to do relationships, how to do finances. So much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And then verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching us what is true, making us realize what is wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So in other words, God's word, now the Old Testament and the New Testament, Teach us how to walk this life out. It is his instruction booklet for us. And so again, another line I draw on the sand, the Bible is the word of God. And I stand on it with full confidence. And I teach it with full confidence. And I read it that I might be someone full of wisdom and not full of myself. So, well, the last thing. Christian leaders prepare the church for good works. This is where, as leaders, 
for Christ, we gotta pour what we know back into others. We've gotta teach the next generation. Remember I told you there's this chasm that's there? Some of that may be on the part of the young people that they're like, ah, I don't need to hear what somebody older has to say to me. But some of it's part, on, part of those that are older not willing to take the time to pour back into others. I wanna ask you right now, who do you know in your life that needs a little more wisdom? Is it a nephew, a niece? Is it a friend, a coworker? Can I just challenge you to take some time and invite them out for lunch or for coffee? Invest that money in their life and lovingly and gently help them understand how to have wisdom and how to do good works instead of perhaps the self-destructive behavior they're in. It seems that we don't want to, we're so afraid of being accused of judging others today that we don't speak truth and love to others. And there is a big difference, okay? Judging others says, I can't believe you did that. I knew you're just no good calling yourself a Christian and living that kind of lifestyle. Man, you're a poor excuse for a Christian. That's judging others, okay? Taking them out to lunch and saying, hey, brother, man, I know you're really struggling right now, but at the rate you're consuming alcohol, what your kids are telling about your drunkenness at home, that's not you. That's not who Christ called you to be and I'm concerned and I am here to help. What can I do to help you get over this wall? What is at the root of your pain that you're trying to drown it in alcohol? How can I help you in this moment? You see the two differences? They're very different, aren't they? One's a prideful attitude. Another's a loving attitude. And our world needs more wisdom. And if you have the word of God, you have wisdom. If you have the word of God, you have truth. And you may not have lived very long. Maybe you've only been a Christian three months. I was a youth pastor at 21 years old, and I had parents come to me for parenting advice. And I was like, ah, they're like, my teenager, you know, you're the youth pastor. I'm like, I'm 21. I got the job because nobody else would take it, you know? I mean, like, I did not have to pass a really high bar to get this job. And they're, they're, they're like, well, you're the youth pastor. What do we need to do? My son, blah. and I said, well, let's meet. And I, I went and I read all the scriptures that talked about parenting and honoring your parents and obeying your parents, but also on on on. And I went through, and we met, and I just went through all those scriptures. And I was like, I can't speak because I've never been a parent, but here, I can tell you what God's word says. And I tell you what was awesome. They were like, you know what? We, we hadn't seen that before. And they made changes, and it helped heal the relationship. Now, I did not have more parenting wisdom than that parent, but because I had the wisdom from the word of God, I could share truth that would change their lives. So, you need to know that the word of God is truth. And the verse 17 says, God uses it, it being the Bible, to prepare and equip his people to good works. Are you doing good works for God this morning? Are you doing good works for God? Because you see, when God rescues us, as Alex was talking about rescuing our, 
our souls from sin. He doesn't rescue us just so we can be happy and we can have a, a ticket to heaven. He rescues us that we might do the work of the Lord to help bring others along with us in the truth of Christ. I'm gonna ask um, Ethan to come out and lead us in a song. I wanna ask you to stand with us. And we're gonna give you an invitation today. And maybe today the first thing you need to do is you just need wisdom and you need to unpack something. The prayer room in the back is open. And if you'd like to go to the prayer room, I'd like to invite you to go to the prayer room. There's a, a couple that'll be there to listen and pray with you and encourage you. Maybe you need to come forward and just pray for family members or, uh, that, that need wisdom in their life right now. Uh, if you don't know, we've got, we got this whole thing covered with names up here. People were praying for and asking God to capture their hearts and bring truth into their lives. And maybe you just need to come do that. If you come to the left side over here and you kneel and you pray or you write names, nobody's gonna, gonna pray with you because that means that's the space for you to talk to the Lord one-on-one. But if you want someone to pray with you and pray over you, over here to my right, there's some kneelers. And if you come and you kneel, then somebody's gonna come to you and say, hey, how can I pray with you? What can I pray for you about? And they'll pray over you. We want you to come. If you've never found this grace that we've talked about today, what Alex was explaining about this salvation in Christ Jesus, we wanna give you that opportunity. You can come talk to any of our counselors or myself up front as Ethan plays. I'll come as God Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week, that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.